And I can't believe this and I can't believe that. And it's like you're so caught up in the character. But what you haven't thought about is like, how do I use these strategies that I'm watching these people do to make money for myself? It's a differentiator because most people so desperately want to be perceived as good. Everyone wants to be seen as good. You want to be the hero. You don't want to be the villain. So if someone is bold enough, whether you're a brand, a business, personal brand, if you are bold enough and comfortable enough to be the villain, you're going to be playing in a, a playground that's like you and a very small handful of other people. You know, they say women shouldn't be bossy. We're out here reclaiming that word. What's so wrong with being the boss? Bossy. In today's episode, I think we're going to talk about some interesting and innovative PR strategies and plays, but I thought it would be fun if we actually talked about some ones that just went wildly off the rails. Like when it goes wrong. PR gone wrong. wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of some high stakes stuff. So (laughs) the best, though, is when it happens because a brand is trying to do something that's like inclusive and thoughtful, but like the execution is just horrible. And so everyone's like, what are you doing? So I have one from 2021. Burger King's Women Belong in the Kitchen tweet. Oh, dang. Which immediately I'm like, immediately no. Who approved that? Who approved that? It's like the Barbie movie, the the Mattel board that's like discussing their female empowerment campaign. And it's like 73 men around a table like, all right, women's empowerment. How are we going to? So they thought that was a good tweet. Yeah, exactly. So Burger King faced significant backlash for this tweet. Women belong in the kitchen on International Women's Day, no less. Now, the intention was they were going to promote their scholarship program for female chefs. But the issue in the execution was that the message, like the tweet itself, was kind of like seen before the context of the scholarship program. It's hard to really like do PR with a lot of context. Like even for our own show, when you just get like a quick clip, it's like, wow, that little clip is interesting, but that was not even what we were talking about as a whole. So these little pieces of the pie make it hard. That's why social media is difficult because it's like it it, it flattens context. Yeah. And you are rewarded for things that are a little bit controversial. So... Burger King, they apologize, they delete the tweet, but it's like, what a flop. Like, that's a, that's so disappointing because the, the underlying, we're doing a scholarship program for women who want to be chefs. I'm like, that's great, but, like, the execution fail. Okay. Bad this, PR. Okay, great. This next one, though, I think is worse. This is Dove's Real Beauty campaign turns offensive. <laughs> and you're not going to— scared. <laughs> you should be. <laughs> yeah, this was 2017— now, These are recent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2017, too, that was like, I feel like we've made a lot of progress in the last couple of years with this kind of stuff. But this campaign was meant to showcase the diversity and the range of Dove's products for different skin types. But the execution was a series of images on Facebook that start with a black woman using their product and then it's like a spectrum that a range of like it looks like she's turning into a white woman like as she's washing herself with dove products Uh, unfortunately yes so many people interpreted the imagery as suggesting like the black woman's skin was dirty and then she washed it with dove and became a white woman oh man so everyone is like what in the racial insensitivity and tone deafness what were they trying to do what was the campaign and like at the meeting what what do you what do you think they were trying to do 
I feel like if they just would have switched the order, it would have been fine. But because it's like they were trying to be like, look, everyone from this dark skinned black woman to a oh, very fair skinned white woman, like an everyone in between. We have products for everybody. But it looked Get like. It. a Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just the, the execution. Dub apologizes. Pull the ad classic, like take everything down. But then it, I mean, like on, on the bright side, it leads to a more widespread discussion about like the need for diversity and sensitivity training and advertising. Probably. Probably. I, it's really interesting to think about how much thought behind the scenes brands and companies put into their marketing and their PR. Mm-hmm. I actually love watching different individual, like personal brands and companies and watching their marketing and PR moves. And I think there's some examples of just like really great creative genius, though, with okay. it. So let's think about like personal brands and individuals first. Okay. Are you following anything of, like, all this conversation going on with Will and Jada Smith? No. Okay. Tell me. So I I think... I think that the Smiths are, like, PR geniuses. Will and Jada are PR geniuses. You might be alone in that opinion. Okay, but here's the thing. Like, there's some strategy here. So if we follow the arc of their careers... Right. They're really good at leaning into playing the villain and playing the hero based on kind of how people feel about them at the time, what's going on. But they lean hard. And the reality is we love a villain and we love a hero. Like they lean into the skid. They They steer into the skid. They steer into the skid. They're like, I'm going to play the game. Okay. Right. So in 1990s, Will comes out. As the hero, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, right? Very lovable character. And also Jada, around maybe like a few years later, towards the end of that, is unset it off. So they've got these like hero characters in like playing on TV. Then, you know, Will Smith starts to do movies and he's in Men in Black and Bad Boys and like Pursuit of Happiness. He does all of these big movies. Um, Jada in like 2018 starts Red Table Talk. So like they're playing this hero really well. Right. Then Jada has the whole entanglement scandal where like she had been sleeping with someone else and like they had an entanglement and she really is open about it on her show. Right? On they Red have a, Table Talk. On Red Table Talk, they have a whole conversation about it on the show. But she kind of leans into instead of this thing where people are perceiving me as the bad guy and the villain. No, I'm going to talk about it. And we're going to like have a whole conversation about it. Right. Then Will Smith ends up being like opening this this memoir the book that he writes and people like praise him for his vulnerability. So he's leaning into hero, but then there's a turnaround because Chris, we smacks Chris. My wife's name out of your mouth. The whole incident with Chris rock. And now people are not feeling him and he's good at like lean. Both of them are really good at like steering into the villain, steering into the good guy, like using whatever. Now there's this whole conversation going on recently about how Jada is like, Oh, we were actually broken up. For a long time. And now, like, people are feeling like she's a villain again. You lied to us. You didn't tell us you were broken up. But she's leaning into it. And if you look at the timing, the timing of the leans, they're around book sales. They're around show promos. They're intentional leans. This most recent one with Jada is right as she's promoting the book. That is not a mistake. 
That is smart marketing. And people get like all caught up and they're like upset about what's happening. And I think what's hap- what happens as consumers is we're viewing it from a consumer perspective instead of looking at it from a marketing perspective. These people are marketing products. They're marketing books. And so we're caught up in the narrative and in the comments all freaking out. But I think there's an opportunity for entrepreneurs to see how these sorts of people in public faces use the villain, the hero, and lean into it to promote products. I also see this dichotomy really strongly with the Kanye Taylor saga oh. through the years. So you saga, s- they're sagas. It's a saga. It started in, I believe, 2009 with the VMAs. Yeah, the, I'm gonna let you finish. Everyone's <laughs> familiar. Yeah, he we're cuts all her very off. familiar. So that's a. Taylor is the hero. Kanye is the villain. Yeah. In that scenario, people are really mad at Kanye. Then he releases Life of Pablo, I think, in 2016. Oh. And the song Famous. Where he, like, says some yeah. sort of disrespectful stuff. I made stuff. that bitch famous. Yeah. Taylor he, Swift. He said that. And in the beginning, she's all like, I would very much like to be excluded from this narrative. She's, it's kind of like you feel bad for Taylor. And then Kanye and Kim and the Kardashian, like, they released this doctored video that makes it look like he got permission from her and that she was thanking him. And then everyone turns on Taylor and goes, oh, she's trying to make herself look like a victim. We don't like that. We caught her in a lie. She's out now. Cancel Taylor Swift. Yeah. She disappears for two years. She just she goes completely off the radar for two years and then she reemerges later. She's leaning into it with reputation, her comeback album after that, where Kendall Jenner had famously called her a snake and everyone's mm. tweeting the snake emoji, Taylor's a snake. So then the snake oh is like in the beginning of the reputation album in the tour, there's like a snake that comes up on stage and like the, all the imagery is all about snakes and she's like owning it. These people are leaning in to the game. She's still We're right out here getting in. riled up in the comments about stuff instead of going, oh, wait, how do I make money from mm-hmm. leaning into the game? We're over here, like, just not doing that, like, all riled up. I think there's an opportunity here. And then, and then the song is not even over yet because after Reputation, we're like, all right, she's back, whatever. And you kind of got to you got to kind of respect it a little bit. But then now Taylor is on her like super stardom journey of the Eras tour, never been bigger. Meanwhile, Kanye has been basically canceled for anti-Semitism and some other things. And so he has never been worse off than he is. But it's like they really take turns. Yeah. Like they set each other up for for failure and and success in that way. Like they take turns in the media where like they're really never on top at the same time. Mm, I I think a lot of this there's a book by this guy ryan holiday and it's called trust me i'm lying confessions of a media manipulator oh it sounds like an interesting that sounds book. right up your alley <laughs> the manipulative you're like part. oh manipulative I, literally every day i'll be like tara this is I'm like i like your strategic communication she's like you think manipulative is a bad thing it's not a bad thing. i'm leaning into the villain yeah <laughs> i i yeah i don't feel like i need to like change it to strategic communication like i think that's not a, that's me a bad pr'ing word. you i'm like what's the what's the positive spin yeah there, i think we have different views on how to play the pr of that skill set that mm-hmm. i have as an entrepreneur yeah so so this guy ryan holiday in this book talks about the frameworks that a lot of what we're talking about these celebrities are doing where first of all to lean into these things you've got to control the narrative which means that at certain points you're not talking so maybe you pull back from 
from doing interviews. And other points, you're regularly doing interviews and you're talking about it and you're shaping your own version of the narrative. You're putting out your own versions of the videos like you talked about with the Kardashians or you're sharing and putting it in your work of art, in your music video, in your work that references to it. So you're controlling the narrative as part of that. Mm. Another strategy here is really around calculated controversy, right? Like leaning into and doing things that kind of get the clicks, get that interest and attention. And then also, like we were talking about, I love that you called it a saga, a saga, because in this book, he talks about redemption arcs. And the concept is we love to see, first of all, we love to see a hero fall, but we also love to see someone fall and work their way back. Yeah. And if you can accomplish this back and forth, it almost not only like keeps you in good graces of the public, of, of people sort of looking at you, but also like keeps them keeps you like front of mind. Right. Because now you're kind of back and forth. This is good entertainment. And it sounds like something that only applies to celebrities. But in reality, like we're in this interesting space where every business has like this outward facing brand on social media, where we're seeing more and more personal brands like founders of businesses deciding to be the face of the business. Mm -hmm. Right. Elon Musk. We talk about Elon Musk now more than inseparable from his businesses. Completely. Like they're totally related. And so like in this world, in in this year, in this decade where we're really thinking so much about personal brands and the founder being part Mm -hmm. of this, like it's actually an interesting conversation to have around business strategy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree. Well, I uh, I think it's interesting because there's almost with the hero and the villain piece of this, I almost see that two ways, which is like the are you the empowerer or like that's we see that coming up in the, the hero uh, hero's journey of these brands where I feel like it's very popular to to make your brand about empowering a certain group Mm. or like rebelling against a standard. Yes. So like I think Kim K, they just skims, just launched that nipple bra where it's kind of like you're defying that norm of how you're supposed to really cover yourself up and the bra is supposed to lift your boobs up, cover like cover you and create this like nice facade. And they literally built a fake nipple into the exterior of the bra. So she's like flying in the face of what's restrictive and rebelling against that. So when you wear your shirt, your nipple still shows. This thing you're supposed to cover, mm-hmm. nipple still shows. Yeah, yeah. fake nipple. Yeah. And so <laughs> yeah. it's like this is this is this empowerment marketing where you're creating that narrative that resonates with this audience. But I think that's a double-edged sword because if you make activism or empowerment part of your brand, yeah. but it's truly just a marketing play and you're not living up to it, Mm. then you're also setting yourself up to become the villain. In the Kim Kardashian skims nipple bra scenario, what do you feel like is the activism stance that's kind of underneath it? I would say it ladders up to feminism. Yeah. Okay. Owning, yeah, feminism. Owning feminism. Because I think that in Kim Kardashian's scenario, this is a really good actually example because we're talking about personal brand, brand, and company brand and being really tied together. Kim Kardashian's really tied to skims. This yes. is kind of like the new model of how business is done, right? Like the leader of the business is really tied to the actual business itself. And I think that's pretty darn in line with Kim Kardashian's brand of sort of like, I'm going to own it with feminism. Things that you said were not good for women to do, like I'm doing it and I'm going to own it you know, with her sex tape and all those things that have happened and through her career. So I, I think that this is nicely on brand. 
for her. I agree. It really is kind of this concept of like picking an enemy Mm. almost. Mm -hmm. I think in the Kim Kardashian scenario of Skims, it's like the enemy is maybe the opposite of fem. What's the opposite of feminism? Patriarchy. The patriarchy. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. It's like a fight the patriarchy. Oh, you want me to cover up and be conceal my body parts and that that makes you more comfortable here's my response to that yeah you're almost like de not desexualizing it but but really like re, it's it's a move of reclamation or i think that's what it's supposed to be you're it's a move of reclamation yes this sort of like us and it creates like a us against them i'm gonna do it anyway kind of vibe and so i think the strategy of sort of like picking an enemy, something mm-hmm. that like our company is like against is really interesting from like a branding perspective. There's a company, do you know Basecamp? Yeah, is that has something to do with code or developers? They have like project management project software. Management. Yeah, but it's a software company uh, for sure. Close. Yeah, yep. a software company. And so the founders have this really good book. It's great. It's called Rework. Um, oh, I've read that. Okay, yeah, so you know. Yeah, okay. right. Rework, I didn't know that was Basecamp. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and so there's a chapter in there called Pick a Fight encouraging you to pick a fight, choose an enemy. And so the concept is like having an enemy can be a really great marketing tool, motivator. And so in the book, they they sort of talk about how Basecamp has done this. Mm. So Basecamp had like a clear opponent against Microsoft Project, like traditional project management tools. And so the founder goes out in public and tweets things like, what happened to, simpli- to simplicity? Um, what happened to simplicity? People use project management software because they want to stay organized and keep things simple. But software got so complicated, like, and they sort of start referencing other things that, like, it's not even, you're not even having time to do the actual work. So they're totally critiquing their competitors and, like, picking this enemy. They also, so the founders of Basecamp launched another brand called Hey. It's like an email service hmm. as a competitor to Gmail. And they really actively, like, tweet about how, like, Gmail and email is a sludge and it's been that way for a decade Mm -hmm. time to spend it up like they're picking actively an enemy which is a little bit different than how Kim Kardashian and skims do it like they're not explicitly Kim Kardashian is not explicitly going out and saying these things but like Basecamp and their founders are they also did it against Apple so Apple increased the percentage of revenue that they take from applications um, and it's like now like 30 percent and they actively were like this is wrong this is Apple being greedy and a monopoly like they regularly do this tactic of picking an enemy as part of their business i think this is hard for women because i think so much of the messaging you get as a woman and as a little girl is to be good you should be good you should be agreeable you shouldn't pick fights with people like you are that is at least for me and in my upbringing, that was very much drilled down. And you didn't want to ruffle feathers or do anything controversial because you would either get labeled a slut or a bitch or any number of names, basically, mm. and you would be ostracized. That's... So I think it's it feels more comfortable and like maverick and bold and daring. Like when men pick a fight and pick an enemy, I think this is something that for me, there's a mental block there around like what it means to be a good girl. And like, it's like, you don't want to, you don't want to pick a fight. You don't want to. And so I think there's something there that you have to kind of get, get past a little bit. Yeah. Cause I think what happens is if you're so in focused on being good, you miss 
the whole ability to interact in the currency of social media today. And social media, whether we like it or not, is how most small businesses get found these days. So you then miss the ability to operate in the currency there where the currency is be controversial, say something that when someone's scrolling on the toilet stops them mm -hmm. and has them look at you and your business and what you're doing. And so if you just want to be good and agreeable, it literally just doesn't work with the algorithm of how people find your business today. Yeah. And that's definitely a for better or worse thing, because I hear that and I'm like, oh, I kind of hate that. I hate that you have to be controversial in order for to, for people to pay attention to I you. I think we're now back on the like Tara, Katie, that something's happening. So Katie's like, let's fight it. Let's, you know, mm -hmm. like, don't we have to, we don't have to accept this. And I'm like, how do we just lean into it and use what we've got? Yeah, I feel like approach. I am trying to, to actively be like, how can I not give in to that mm. and not, not play to that? Because I think that that just fundamentally like misaligned. Yeah. So I'm like, I like nuance. I like nuance. And yeah. if you're going to be controversial on the internet, you are being like, nuance hard out the window. The Context by hot take factory. 100%. So have you thought about this for your own business? So for Money with Katie, mm. do you think about taking a stance or picking an enemy? Or if you did, if you had to like challenge yourself, because I'm hearing you say that this would be hard. If you had to challenge yourself to pick like a, an industry or a specific company that you could pick a fight against or sort of not even a fight, but like rally the troops around why we're different mm -hmm. in contrast to this, what would it be? You know, what's funny is there's yes. So I think in general, people in my space, the classic is the finance bros. We're, yeah. not, a, we're not a finance bro. We're not going to mansplain to you. Like I'm, I'm speaking more referentially now about all the different women in personal finance. This is a very common thing is we're not the finance bro. We're not Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey is a very popular enemy for people to pick and dog on. I actually think that is now so overplayed and so predictable and expected mm. that it's no longer controversial and cool. People just expect you to be against that if you're a woman in, in finance. So now I'm like, I almost think it's cooler and more interesting to be against the reaction and to be like, I'm not I'm not going to make everything about how I'm an enemy to them. And I'm actually going to be I'm speaking broadly, but like I'm actually going to be against trying to make money super super feminist and we're not going to go in that direction so the only hole i might poke in that because yeah, i see that hole. strategy the only hole i might poke in that is like as someone who for me like i'm not immersed as much as you are mm -hmm. in the personal finance space and so i don't know everybody's business and everybody's approach so from me looking in you're saying you don't want to lean into it because everybody's doing it. I've really never seen one person do it, to be honest. And I'm not paying so close attention that I recognize it as that. So if you did it, I'd be like, wow, she's really innovating and doing something That's new. So crazy because for, and I think wow. the reality is like so many when you're in your business, you think that like everybody knows all the nuances of the industry and the business just like you. But they don't. Mm. They're not paying attention the same way that you are. They're not really like seeing all the same things that you're seeing because you're working on it every day. And you're as an entrepreneur, you think about the business all day. So you can't stop thinking about it. It just would occur to me. Maybe I, I've once seen someone do it in your space. Are you like, a consumer of like financial media at all? I think I very well could be. I don't. I So, yeah, there's people that I follow that are fi financial thought leaders. 
right? But I still am not paying. And so I, they're on my Instagram feed. I would say there's probably on my Instagram feed where I follow maybe 200 people. I would say there's maybe like four people that would fit in that category that I follow. But that's such a small percentage of my attention. Like the number of even posts that I see that the algorithm serves up of those people is not all their posts. So I just don't see everything. That's so I point. wouldn't think yeah. it was so crazy if I saw you do it. I would think it was good. It would, it would draw me in. Okay. That's, I mean, that, yeah, that's something to take into consideration. I'm not saying you should do it. Yeah. But like, it's just an activity of thinking about like, if you were to do this strategy, yeah. who would you do it against? Yeah. I often think about doing this against like for apps without code, like traditional software developers. Yeah. Who I get like lots of hate from that I'm Still? like taking their job. Yeah. It still pops up. I think it's Whoa. maybe moved from like pure hate to like skepticism about the whole no code space. I also think because no code is now taking on, like I sort of took an early stance on it, but now that it's sort of becoming more popular, the the hate is not at me directly, mm -hmm. but at the in this new emerging industry of no code. So, but it's still there. And I think even I, I think it would be poor for me to build my strategy based on that, though, because I think not everybody's so like they don't know the nuances of that. They don't know that for many years, like that's been I've been getting hate for that. They don't know that. So I think it would still be powerful for me to lean into for people mm -hmm. who don't even have that context and are just now discovering it. So maybe that's what I would do for Apps Without Code. We'll be right back to the conversation after a quick break. OK, back to the show. We've been doing this thing where we help entrepreneurs who are listening to us brainstorm their own business strategies. And so I want to do one here. I'd love for if you are listening to this or watching this mm -hmm. to come over to YouTube. If you see in the comments, we can all kind of post there because you and I can see what people are writing. And my question is that we're going to brainstorm together would be if you could pick an enemy, a contrast a industry or company, for your business, mm -hmm. right? To think about this brand narrative. Like, we're not that, we're this. What would be the that? For your current business or for a business idea that you potentially want to start? I would love to hear in the comments what would be that enemy that you could rally the troops around about how you're different. It's a good thought starter, good thought exercise. I'm excited to read these because I think there's there's an element of this that's making someone else the villain and making you the hero. <laughs> but it could be even bolder to make yourself the villain. Yeah. Like you are the villain, you're not the hero. And so I think if you look at people like, okay, Selling Sunset, I know you watch Selling Sunset. Yeah. Christine Quinn, she steered into that skid hard. Yes. Of so, playing the villain. Yeah. Herself. yeah, yeah. Wait, set, set, set us up with like how she became the villain in the first place. Though. Okay. So Christine Quinn is a character on Selling Sunset. And I like she, that you said character and not person. Yeah, because you, you are like are watching that's this. A character. You guys are watching reality TV, thinking that these are these people's real lives. These are people who had an opportunity to be casted on a show so that they could create a revenue generating engine for themselves, where brand deals now come to them. Now they have large audiences because you get a large audience from the reality show, and now they can monetize that. That's what we're really watching. Did you know the commissions are fake? What commissions? Oh, when they sell fake. Wait, what do you mean they're fake? The number that that show is showing you they're making from the sale is not real. 
I'm not sure what their actual cut is, but apparently the commissions are like really inflated. To me, that makes me like it even more. You know what I wonder if they do? Because I think, isn't it like a 6% commission that you get, but it gets split across. It's three and a, three, three, yeah, yeah a or bunch something of like that. It varies. Yeah, down. okay. So, so in season one of Selling Sunset, Christine like sets the tone for her character. Yes, I'm saying character. Where she says something like, I'm not a bitch all the time, but when I am, I'm the baddest. It, it you you like I it. You gotta know like that, it. that just resonated with you so hard. Not a bitch all the time, but when <laughs> I am, I'm the baddest. It like encapsulates her approach. She's setting it up. Yeah. She yeah. kind of went in strategic, right? She also um kind of talks about how like when she does interviews outside of the show, she says stuff like this. She's like, I'm hundred percent true to myself, I'm unapologetically me, and that's what makes me a boss bitch. She's leaning into this, right? She also, from just like, a, I'm always looking at people's fashion choices and how that leans into the characters they're playing too, right? She wears this like wedding gown oh, to yeah. a gothic winter wonderland themed wedding. She's her really, wedding. Her own wedding. <laughs> she wears a gothic, like a black wedding gown to yeah, yeah, yeah. this goth, like, Come on, like this is like really setting up the like villain character. And also just like a lot of her fashion choices are aligned with this too. Mm -hmm. And you can see very clearly like if you watch over the seasons how she teased this up to be a business strategy. Yeah, well, and it's working. That's the thing is I think when I first started watching this show, I was like, oh my God, this one, I cannot believe that she's like so comfortable being so cutting and yeah. snarky and straight up mean. I'm like, you're on TV, dude. Like people are going to think she is the... Number two most followed person in the On whole cast. She has this like partnership now with Shoe Dazzle that basically plays up this fearlessness and this fashion sense that she has. Life's too short to wear boring shoes. And it's like trying mm. to position the brand as though it's OK. This is for people that are not afraid to be bold and daring. So, I mean, regardless of how you, you think about her behavior, it's like it's specific. It's intentional. And being the villain can actually be like that is a, that's a strategy. That's it's, not that's not like an unintentional. I'm actually I mean, I'd, it'd be interesting to see what she's like in real life. Yeah, it's a strategy in a crowded market. Right. If you want to like do the business parallel when there's lots of competitors, a.k.a. lots of other girls on the show, you might want to like tease out your differentiator of your character. And she does this really, really well. And she just like draws us in. She's she's drawing us into being like caught up in it. Like I was actually like talking with my like team about this and they were like, you know, I can't believe that she did that to her and I can't believe this and I can't believe that. And it's like you're so caught up in the character. But what you haven't thought about is like, how do I use these strategies that I'm watching these people do to make money for myself? Because Christine's doing it. And to me, that's what's so interesting. She Christine Quinn left that show. She's no longer on the show. And I think she likely left the show because she was like, all right, I got what I needed from here. Now I'm going to go do these brand deals. Now I'm going to do she has so many like fashion partnerships now. Like she's got a whole business she's built around this, too. It's a differentiator because most people so desperately want to be perceived as good. Everyone yeah. wants to be seen as good. You want to be the hero. You don't want to be the villain. So if someone is bold enough, whether you're a brand, a business, personal brand, if you are bold enough and comfortable enough to be the villain, you're going to be playing in a, a playground that's like you and a very small handful of other people. If I was on a reality show, I would definitely play the villain. 
I would be a little scared to do it because of the backlash, but I would be more excited about just the fact that you just get more attention from, you get more ROI from that experience to then go build an audience, to then go monetize that audience. I think I might like play the villain. You know who else was the villain in in reality TV in a way that is like so obvious to me now in retrospect? Spencer and Heidi. Spencer and Spidey, Heidi, the what, what, OG the villains, the Hills, the Hills, yeah. The Hills. And Lauren Conrad was the hero, right? Like she was like the good, the good girl. But these dynamics are so visceral and so human. Yeah, like that's when you were talking about the like the the. It's almost the hero's journey, the villain, the comeback. And and to your point, we love to see the hero fail, too. Society, yeah. it's like, I'm a little bit nervous that Taylor Swift is a little overexposed right now. She's got too much. People are too happy for her and things are going too well. Mm. She's getting teed up right now to be taken down. And that's that is the cycle, for better or worse. So to loop this back to business, yeah. do you think that it's possible in business to choose to be the villain in a scenario? Or at least to use some of the practices that we see these like reality TV and public figure stars using in a business. Yes, I think it's possible. I think when I think about our brand and what we're doing, I do think that you could potentially actually hold on. You know who just came to mind? I mean, I think what she's doing is despicable, but it's honestly it. She's pain. Is that a just pearly things like the red pill girl? Wait, what is this? I don't know what that is. Oh, God. This is like a whole internet rabbit hole. But like the the Andrew Tate type content. Uh, yes. It's a girl. It's like a woman who is being the like female Andrew Tate. She's like, women shouldn't vote. Women should. I mean, it's like I'm like, you're disgusting. But also like that. That is the first person that I think of when I'm like you. you she's building a business around this. And I mean, Andrew Tate's in jail in Romania. So unavailable for comment, unfortunately. Yeah. But uh, I would say he did the same thing. Yeah, that's interesting. I think if like we were to take this and apply what we're seeing from these like individual People, personal brands. Yeah to a business like think about maybe like a like a a, a professional services business for example mm. like how could you tie these concepts in i think one of them is to just control the narrative like one of the things that we learn from these people is that controlling the narrative and actually having being intentional about what your storyline is going to be and whether you maybe it's mm-hmm. not big pr like a tv show but what you post on your social media what you say being really intentional about controlling that narrative and i think there's some element of it too of like promoting a debate like leaning into letting people, whoever your marketing leads are, which would be the equivalent of your reality TV watchers, right, in the comments of your post, like encouraging them to sort of talk things through, come up with a debate about a topic. So like if you have a, I don't know, like a financial services, professional service business, really sort of like picking a topic that's controversial there, maybe lightly controversial and like having people share their opinions about it and, and talk about it to really make yourself stand out. It can be something specific for your industry. Yeah, yeah, because I think brands are very afraid on social media to stir up a controversy like that. Yeah. Like brands are, you don't want to, you don't, you you are actively trying to avoid those things in most cases. Big brands are trying to avoid it, which is why I think if you're a small business owner and you just started, for example, your Instagram account and you're trying to compete for attention from the big brands who have a bunch of followers, it might be useful to say something that is, I'm going to say semi controversial, right? Something that's a stance that you believe in that's maybe different than other Mm -hmm. people in your industry 
niche to you, not about like, I don't know, re- something random, but like about something in your industry. I think that could work really well. Have you ever hired PR help or a PR firm? <laughs> yeah, I have. How'd it go? I feel torn about that experience. So I hired a PR firm. I did a lot, like a stint of TV, like news, like going on the news. We did like different local news and also like from local news all the way to Good Morning America. Wow. Right? And I think that's pretty successful then. If they got you on Good Morning America. They got me on Good Morning America. So successful. I think, though, that a lot of times people think that if they get some big publication, like I've been in Entrepreneur Magazine, I've been in Forbes, I've been on Good Morning America, the amount of clicks back to whatever your business is from doing those things is shockingly low. Mm. It's shockingly low. Like people are just not always like glued in and like it's hard to like from a TV to get conversion to a click back to the internet. Like they, they're not humongous drivers and when they are, it's for like one day. You know what it is too is that is that the only people that are reading Forbes and Entrepreneur magazine are other freaking entrepreneurs and yeah. people that want to be in the magazine. Yeah. Not, and regular ass people are not sitting around being like, hmm, I wonder who's on the cover of Forbes this week. Like, I just don't think that that happens. I don't think people care that much. Yeah. But you I know think what? that's exactly right. But what did work for me in that scenario was I then had a bunch of really great video clips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It With gives you brand credibility authority later. and credibility. So on my social media, yeah. I think like the Good Morning America interview clip is sort of pinned at the top of my Instagram is one of the first things. So if a new person comes and follows me, they have that reference point. I also use it as like advertising. So I take that video and run ads to it because it performs the best out of any other video of just like me talking about app building versus that that has brand credibility. That works really well. And like it promotes controversy. People in there like this is dumb. This is a terrible idea oh my gosh this is so helpful and I leave all of those comments there and let people sort of have that conversation about what they think is useful because it just boosts that post so I think that the strategy I personally added to hiring the PR firm worked well I don't know that just the appearance on the TV and the magazines did a huge huge thing mainly just like they were ego and confidence boosts but yeah they became business boosts which, when I did something intentional which can be valuable I remember we yeah. were on um Rachel Ray, yeah, Rachel Ray show, which is kind of hilarious to me because I'm like, I, they're like, oh, it's on channel whatever. I'm like, I don't have cable. That's I'm like, how I do I even watch this? Yeah, was it successful? Uh, same same thing. Where it was like, it was cool, and it was cool when like someone even today, like if that episode runs like in someone's gym on the TV, people will tag me in stories of like Money with Katie was playing on the TV, and so like it was yeah. really really cool. But I wouldn't say that we saw any sort of noticeable lift. No, but where I do think I, I'm having a hard time even thinking of a, a specific use case, but I do know that like I have talked to small business owners in the past where the mention in in like a in a Good Morning America or like a, a Forbes, whatever, those don't tend to move the needle. But yeah. those like smaller feature stories in like smaller publications, niche publications, niche publications that it'll like put a brand on the map. I know that yes. that is very much a thing. And it's it's more so when it's about the the brand and how it's doing something different and interesting and it's like in that smaller local regional or yeah in like a, a specific type of segment that it's targeting yeah that those can actually be those can move the needle for your business and can get you like enough uh notoriety to be 
impactful. Yeah, they're typically better sort of drivers to a website or to something that you can actually, you know, interact with people on. So a lot of people, I think entrepreneurs might be listening to this too and wondering like, okay, I don't have access to like a PR firm. This PR yeah. firm was like pretty expensive to hire. Um, and I may not be on magazines and TV. So like, what's my equivalent version of this? And I think in general, the answer is social media. Like mm. your social media page is your own TV channel. And it kind of brings up this question of, is it a good thing for a founder to put their face on their social media and start marketing their business, but like with their face? Mm. I think so. Actually, yeah, I do. I think it's, it goes back to the that idea that people follow people. I think Instead that, of logos. They don't follow logos. Yeah, no they one follow follows people. It's like you want to follow a person, someone that has a personality. I do think that that's the trade-off might be that you lose a little bit of privacy. But I do think that that it is going to give you just that, that jumpstart, that boost in a way that's really hard to do without like a face, like with no face persona of the company. Like it's just difficult. And I think if you think about a lot of the biggest companies and a lot of the big businesses that you probably like, you probably know who the founder is. You probably feel some sort of connection mm. to that founder. So I think it makes sense. Yeah. And I think also publicity, like it doesn't have to be this like massive, I've got lots of followers kind of thing. Like in reality, publicity for your business could be like going to a trade show. It could be like speaking at a conference. It could be posting on LinkedIn, which maybe it's not like, oh, Instagram's not where my industry is. But like on LinkedIn, maybe they are there. And so it's just finding that like one place where you're going to put your face mm -hmm. out there. But like even in those scenarios, you can't speak at the, the trade show or speak at a conference without it being your face. You're still representing the business kind of whether you like yeah. it or not. And there's this this service called Haro, Help a Reporter Out. Oh, I forgot about that. You that you can sign up for. So you don't even need like a PR firm, but you can sign up to Haro. Read the leads every day where reporters will be like, I'm seeking an expert in, and it, it'll be super niche stuff sometimes where like, if you're yeah. like, I'm not a, I'm not a personal brand. Like I'm selling jars of jam. Like there will someday be a Haro request that's like, seeking local business owner who is, you know, doing farm to table, whatever. So it's like you just need a couple of those media hits to start establishing yourself as like the voice in the industry, because then like reporters will, will start when they're doing their own research, looking at what other publications are talking about. So yeah. in some ways it like proliferates, but it's that first little in where you're like, well, if I don't know reporters, how do I do that? That H-A-R-O, I think it's H-A-R-O dot com, Haro, help a reporter out. I'm pretty sure it's free or close to free. And then it connects you with reporters where if you are the expert and you could provide a, a quote to them. You can give them a story you can about get yourself. Into their stories. Yeah. You yeah. can pitch your story to them. Okay. Amazing. So as we're brainstorming all of this and how we can apply it to our own businesses, I know folks are listening and are thinking about how they can do that, too. So I'm going to be looking in the comments for what who folks think people could be a company or another personal brand or whoever it might be who could be the opposer enemy of the business and how you could play this up. I'm excited to sort of strategize the people in mm -hmm. the comments. I love it. I love it. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard.